24. T more generally suggests the curve of SDA Maria del Fiore place LXXXVII number 5, place XC number 2, place LXXXIX. M. Plural XC number 4, place XCDI number 2. In other cases place LXXX number 4, place LXXXIX. Place X scene number 2 it shows the sides of the octagon crowned by semicircular pediments, as in Brunellisco's lantern of the cathedral and in the model for the cathedral of Pavia. Finally, in some sketches the cupola is either semicircular, or as in place LXXXVII number 2, shows the beautiful line, adopted 60 years later by Michelangelo for the existing dome of street theaters. It is worth noticing that for all these domes Leonardo is not satisfied to decorate the exterior merely with ascending ribs or moldings, but employs also a system of horizontal parallels to complete the architectural system. Not the least interesting are the designs for the Tiberial Cupola of the Milan Cathedral. They show some of the forms, just mentioned, adapted to the peculiar Gothic style of that monument. The few examples of interiors of churches recall the style employed in Lombardy by Bramante. For instance in S. Maria di Campanuova at Pavia, or by Dolce Buono in the Monastero Maggiore at Milan C. Place C. I. Number 1 C. A. 181 B. 546 B. Place LXXXIV. Number 10. The few indications concerning palaces seem to prove that Leonardo followed Alberti's example of decorating the walls with pilasters and a flat rustica, either in stone or by graffiti. Place C. I. I. Number 1 and Place LXXXV. Number 14. By pointing out the analogies between Leonardo's architecture and that of other masters we in no way pretend to depreciate his individual and original inventive power. These are at all events beyond dispute. The project for the Mausoleum Place XCBII would alone suffice to rank him among the greatest architects who ever lived. The peculiar shape of the tower place LXXX. Of the churches for preaching place XCBII number 1 and pages 56 and 57. Figure 14. His curious plan for a city with high and low level streets place LXXVII and LXXVII number 2 and number 3. His logic with fountains place LXXXII number 4 reveal an originality, a power and facility of invention for almost any given problem, which are quite wonderful. In addition to all these qualities he probably stood alone in his day in one department of architectural study, his investigations, namely, as to the resistance of vaults, foundations, walls and arches. As an application of these studies the plan of a semicircular vault place CIII number may second be mentioned here, disposed so as to produce no thrust on the columns on which it rests, vault I bocchi monospegni I for I column, above the geometrical patterns on the same sheet. Close to a circle inscribed in a square is the note, Loradio de Navalta Coil Terzo del Diametro del Sua, del Tedesco in Domo. There are few data by which to judge of Leonardo's style in the treatment of detail. On place LXXXV number 10 and place CII number 3, we find some details of pillars. On place CII number 3 slender pillars designed for a fountain and on place CII number 1 is B is a pen and ink drawing of a vase which also seems intended for a fountain. Three handles seem to have been intended to connect the upper parts with the base. There can be no doubt that Leonardo, like Bramante, but unlike Michelangelo, brought infinite delicacy of motive and execution to bear on the details of his work. XIV. Anatomy, Zoology and Physiology. Leonardo's eminent place in the history of medicine. As a pioneer in the sciences of anatomy and physiology, 
will never be appreciated till it is possible to publish the mass of manuscripts in which he largely treated of these two branches of learning. In the present work I must necessarily limit myself to giving the reader a general view of these labors, by publishing his introductory notes to the various books on anatomical subjects. I have added some extracts, and such observations as are scattered incidentally through these treatises, as serving to throw a light on Leonardo's scientific attitude, besides having an interest for a wider circle than that of specialists only. Vasari expressly mentions Leonardo's anatomical studies, having had occasion to examine the manuscript books which refer to them. According to him Leonardo studied anatomy in the companionship of Marcantonio della Torre Iutato e Scambiavolmente Iutando. This learned anatomist taught the science in the universities first of Padua and then of Pavia, and at Pavia he and Leonardo may have worked and studied together. We have no clue to any exact dates, but in the year 1506 Marcantonio della Torre seems to have not yet left Padua. He was scarcely 30 years old when he died in 1512 and his writings on anatomy have not only never been published, but no manuscript copy of them is known to exist. This is not the place to enlarge on the connection between Leonardo and Marcantonio della Torre. I may however observe that I have not been able to discover in Leonardo's manuscripts on anatomy any mention of his younger contemporary. The few quotations which occur from writers on medicine either of antiquity or of the Middle Ages are printed in section XXII. Here and there in the manuscripts mention is made of an anonymous, adversary, adversarial whose views are opposed and refuted by Leonardo. But there is no ground for supposing that Marcantonio della Torre should have been this, adversary. Only a very small selection from the mass of anatomical drawings left by Leonardo have been published here in facsimile. But to form any adequate idea of their scientific merit they should be compared with the coarse and inadequate figures given in the published books of the early part of the XVI century. William Hunter, the great surgeon a competent judge who had an opportunity in the time of George III, of seeing the originals in the King's Library, has thus recorded his opinion, I expected to see little more than such designs in anatomy as might be useful to a painter in his own profession, but I saw and indeed with astonishment, that Leonardo had been a general and deep student, when I consider what pains he has taken upon every part of the body, the superiority of his universal genius, his particular excellence in mechanics and hydraulics, and the attention with which such a man would examine and see objects which he has to draw, I am fully persuaded that Leonardo was the best anatomist, at that time, in the world, Leonardo was certainly the first man, we know of, who introduced the practice of making anatomical drawings to introductory letters. London 1784, pages 37 and 39. The illustrious German naturalist Johann Friedrich Blumenbach esteemed them no less highly. He was one of the privileged few who, after Hunter, had the chance of seeing these manuscripts. He writes, Der Schorflick Diocese Grossenforschers und Darstellers der Naderhaftschon auf den Schiechtet. Die Nokiar under die Nocker and Demert Jebli Edmondson, C. Blumenbach's Volume 3, Saint 4, 1795, page 728. These opinions were founded on the drawings alone. Up to the present day hardly anything has been made known of the text. And, for the reasons I have given, it is my intention to reproduce here no more than a selection of extracts which I have made from the originals at Windsor Castle and elsewhere. In the bibliography of the manuscripts, 
At the end of this volume a short review is given of the valuable contents of these anatomical notebooks which are at present almost all in the possession of Her Majesty the Queen of England. It is, I believe, possible to assign the date with approximate accuracy to almost all the fragments, and I am thus led to conclude that the greater part of Leonardo's anatomical investigations were carried out after the death of Delatore. Merely in reading the introductory notes to his various books on anatomy which are here printed it is impossible to resist the impression that the master's anatomical studies bear to a very great extent the stamp of originality and independent thought. I Anatomy. 796. A general introduction I wish to word of miracles, it may be that I shall possess less than other men of more peaceful lives, or than those who want to grow rich in a day. I may lie for a long time in great poverty, as always happens and to all eternity will happen, to alchemists, the would-be creators of gold and silver, and to engineers who would have dead water stir itself into a life and perpetual motion, and to those supreme fools, the necromancer and the enchanter. Footnote 23, the following seems to be directed against students of painting and young artists rather than against medical men and anatomists, and you, who say that it would be better to watch an anatomist at work than to see these drawings, you would be right. If it were possible to observe all the things which are demonstrated in such drawings in a single figure, in which you, with all your cleverness, will not see nor obtain knowledge of more than some few veins, to obtain a true and perfect knowledge of which I have dissected more than ten human bodies, destroying all the other members, and removing the very minutest particles of the flesh by which these veins are surrounded, without causing them to bleed, excepting the insensible bleeding of the capillary veins, and as one single body would not last so long, since it was necessary to proceed with several bodies by degrees, until I came to an end and had a complete knowledge, this I repeated twice, to learn the differences, footnote, lines 159 and 689 are written into parallel columns, when we here find Leonardo putting himself in the same category as the alchemists and necromancers, whom he elsewhere mocks at so bitterly, it is evidently meant ironically, in the same way Leonardo, in the introduction to the books on perspective sets himself with transparent satire on a level with other writers on the subject, and if you should have a love for such things you might be prevented by loathing, and if that did not prevent you, you might be deterred by the fear of living in the night hours in the company of those corpses, quartered and flayed and horrible to see, and if this did not prevent you, perhaps you might not be able to draw so well as is necessary for such a demonstration, or, if you had the skill in drawing, it might not be combined with knowledge of perspective, and if it were so, you might not understand the methods of geometrical demonstration and the method of the calculation of forces and of the strength of the muscles, patience also may be wanting, so that you lack perseverance, as to whether all these things were found in me or not footnote 84, Leonardo frequently, and perhaps habitually, wrote in notebooks of a very small size and only moderately thick, in most of those which have been preserved and divided, each contains less than fifty leaves, thus a considerable number of such volumes must have gone to make up a volume of the bulk of the Codex Atlanticus which now contains nearly twelve hundred detached leaves, in the passage under consideration, which was evidently written at a late period of his life, Leonardo speaks of his manuscript notebooks as numbering twelve o but we should hardly be justified in concluding from this passage that the greater part of his manuscripts were now missing see prolegomena, volume I pages 5-7, the hundred and twenty books composed by me will give verdict yes or no, 
in these I have been hindered neither by avarice nor negligence, but simply by want of time. Farewell. Plans and suggestions for the arrangement of material 797-802-797 of the order of the book. This work must begin with the conception of man, and describe the nature of the womb and how the fetus lives in it, up to what stage it resides there, and in what way it quickens into a life and feeds, also its growth and what interval there is between one stage of growth and another, what it is that forces it out from the body of the mother, and for what reasons it sometimes comes out of the mother's womb before the due time. Then I will describe which are the members, which, after the boy is born, grow more than the others, and determine the proportions of a boy of one year, then describe the fully grown man and woman, with their proportions, and the nature of their complexions, color, and physiognomy, then how they are composed of veins, tendons, muscles and bones, this I shall do at the end of the book, then, in four drawings, represent four universal conditions of men, that island murder, with various acts of laughter, and describe the cause of laughter, Weeping in various aspects with its causes, contention, with various acts of killing, flight, fear, ferocity, boldness, murder and everything pertaining to such cases, then represent labor, with pulling, thrusting, carrying, stopping, supporting and such like things, further I would describe attitudes and movements, then perspective, concerning the functions and effects of the eye, and of hearing here I will speak of music, and treat of the other senses and then describe the nature of the senses, this mechanism of man we will demonstrate in figures, of which the three first will show the ramification of the bones, that is, first one to show their height and position and shape, the second will be seen in profile and will show the depth of the whole and of, the parts, and their position, the third figure will be a demonstration of the bones of the back parts, then I will make three other figures from the same point of view, with the bones sawn across in which will be shown their thickness and hollowness, three other figures of the bones complete, and of the nerves which rise from the nape of the neck, and in what limbs they ramify, and three others of the bones and veins, and where they ramify, then three figures with the muscles and three with the skin, and their proper proportions, and three of women, to illustrate the womb and the menstrual veins which go to the breasts. Footnote, the meaning of the word nerve varies in different passages being sometimes used for muscular muscle. 798. The order of the book. This depicting of mine of the human body will be as clear to you as if you had the natural man before you, and the reason is that if you wish thoroughly to know the parts of man, anatomically, you or your eye require to see it from different aspects, considering it from below and from above and from its sides, turning it about and seeking the origin of each member, and in this way the natural anatomy is sufficient for your comprehension. But you must understand that this amount of knowledge will not continue to satisfy you, seeing the very great confusion that must result from the combination of tissues, with veins, arteries, nerves, sinews, muscles, bones, and blood which, of itself, tinges every part the same color, and the veins, which discharge this blood, are not discerned by reason of their smallness, moreover integrity of the tissues, in the process of the investigating the parts within them, is inevitably destroyed, and their transparent substance being tinged with blood does not allow you to recognize the parts covered by them, from the similarity of their blood-stained hue, and you cannot know everything of the one without confusing and destroying the other, hence, some further anatomy drawings become necessary, of which you want three to give full knowledge of the veins and arteries, 
everything else being destroyed with the greatest care, and three others to display the tissues, and three for the sinews and muscles and ligaments, and three for the bones and cartilages, and three for the anatomy of the bones, which have to be sawn to show which are hollow and which are not, which have marrow and which are spongy, and which are thick from the outside inwards, and which are thin, and some are extremely thin in some parts and thick in others, and in some parts hollow or filled up with bone, or full of marrow, or spongy, and all these conditions are sometimes found in one and the same bone, and in some bones none of them, and three you must have for the woman, in which there is much that is mysterious by reason of the womb and the fetus, therefore by my drawings every part will be known to you, and all by means of demonstrations from three different points of view of each part, for when you have seen a limb from the front, with any muscles, sinews, or veins which take their rise from the opposite side, the same limb will be shown to you in a side view or from behind, exactly as if you had that same limb in your hand and were turning it from side to side until you had acquired a full comprehension of all you wish to know. In the same way there will be put before you three or four demonstrations of each limb, from various points of view, so that you will be left with a true and complete knowledge of all you wish to learn of the human figure footnote 35, compare place CDII. The original drawing at Windsor is 28 1 to x 19-1-2 cm. The upper figures are slightly washed with Indian ink. On the back of this drawing is the text number 1140. Thus, in 12 entire figures, you will have set before you the cosmography of this lesser world on the same plan as, before me, was adopted by Ptolemy in his cosmography, and so I will afterwards divide them into limbs as he divided the whole world into provinces, then I will speak of the function of each part in every direction, putting before your eyes a description of the whole form and substance of man, as regards his movements from place to place, by means of his different parts, and thus, if it please our great author, I may demonstrate the nature of men, and their customs in the way I described his figure, and remember that the anatomy of the nerves will not give the position of their ramifications, nor show you which muscles they branch into, by means of bodies dissected in running water or in line water, though indeed their origin and starting point may be seen without such water as well as with it, but their ramifications, when under running water, cling and unite just like flat or hemp carded for spinning all into a skein, in a way which makes it impossible to trace in which muscles or by what ramification the nerves are distributed among those muscles. 799. The arrangement of anatomy first draw the bones, let us say, of the arm, and put in the motor muscle from the shoulder to the elbow with all its lines, then proceed in the same way from the elbow to the wrist, then from the wrist to the hand and from the hand to the fingers, and in the arm you will put the motors of the fingers which open and these you will show separately in their demonstration. In the second demonstration you will clothe these muscles with the secondary motors of the fingers and so proceed by degrees to avoid confusion. But first lay on the bones those muscles which lie close to the said bones, without confusion of other muscles, and with these you may put the nerves and veins which supply their nourishment. After having first drawn the tree of veins and nerves over the simple bones, 800. Begin the anatomy at the head and finish at the sole of the foot. 801. Three men complete. Three with bones and nerves. Three with the bones only. Here we have twelve demonstrations of entire figures. 802. When you have finished building up the man, you will make the statue with all its superficial measurements. Footnote, Cressire Lomo. 
The meaning of this expression appears to be different here and in the passage CA 157A. 468 AC number 526. Note 1, 2. Here it can hardly mean anything else than modeling, since the sculptor forms the figure by degrees, by adding wet clay and the figure consequently increases or grows. Tu farea la statua would then mean, you must work out the figure in marble. If this interpretation is the correct one, this passage would have no right to find a place in the series on anatomical studies. I may say that it was originally inserted in this connection under the impression that decresire should be read discrivere. Plans for the representation of muscles by drawings 803-809-803. You must show all the motions of the bones with their joints to follow the demonstration of the first three figures of the bones, and this should be done in the first book. 804. Remember that to be certain of the point of origin of any muscle, you must pull the sinew from which the muscle springs in such a way as to see that muscle move, and where it is attached to the ligaments of the bones. Note. You will never get anything but confusion in demonstrating the muscles and their positions, origin, and termination, unless you first make a demonstration of thin muscles after the manner of linen threads, and thus you can represent them, one over another as nature has placed them, and thus, too, you can name them according to the linde serve, for instance the motor of the point of the great toe, of its middle bone, of its first bone, and see, and when you have the knowledge you will draw. By the side of this, the true form and size and position of each muscle. But remember to give the threads which explain the situation of the muscles in the position which corresponds to the central line of each muscle, and so these threads will demonstrate the form of the leg and their distance in a plain and clear manner. I have removed the skin from a man who was so shrunk by illness that the muscles were worn down and remained in a state like thin membrane, in such a way that the sinews instead of merging in muscles ended in wide membrane and where the bones were covered by the skin they had very little over their natural size. Footnote, the photograph number 41 of Grosvenor Gallery Publications, a drawing of the muscles of the foot, includes a complete facsimile of the text of this passage. 805, which nerve causes the motion of the eye so that the motion of one eye moves the other, of frowning the brows, of raising the brows, of lowering the brows, of closing the eyes, of opening the eyes, of raising the nostrils of opening the lips, with the teeth shut, of pouting with the lips, of smiling, of astonishment, describe the beginning of man when it is caused in the womb and why an eight-months child does not live, what sneezing is, while you're on an island falling sickness, spasms, paralysis, shivering with cold, sweating, fatigue, hunger, sleepiness, thirst, lust, of the nerve which is the cause of movement from the shoulder to the elbow, of the movement from the elbow to the hand, from the joint of the hand to the stringing of the fingers, from the stringing of the fingers to the middle joints, and from the middle joints to the last, of the nerve which causes the movement of the thigh, and from the knee to the foot, and from the joint of the foot to the toes, and then to the middle of the toes and of the rotary motion of the leg. 806. Anatomy. Which nerves or sinews of the hand are those which close and part the fingers and toes laterally? 807. Remove by degrees all the parts of the front of a man in making your dissection, till you come to the bones. Description of the parts of the bust and of their motions. 808. Give the anatomy of the leg up to the hip. In all views and in every action and in every state, veins, arteries, nerves, sinews and muscles, skin and bones, then the bones in sections to show the thickness of the bones, 
On corpulency and leanness 809-811-809. Make the rule and give the measurement of each muscle, and give the reasons of all their functions, and in which way they work and what makes them work and see. First draw the spine of the back, then clothe it by degrees, one after the other, with each of its muscles and put in the nerves and arteries and veins to each muscle by itself, and besides these note the vertebrae to which they are attached, which of the intestines come in contact with them, and which bones and other organs and see. The most prominent parts of lean people are most prominent in the muscular, and equally so in fat persons. But concerning the difference in the forms of the muscles in fat persons as compared with muscular persons, it shall be described below. Footnote, the two drawings given on place CDII number 1 come between lines 3 and 4. A good and very early copy of this drawing without the written text exists in the collection of drawings belonging to Christ's College Oxford, where it is attributed to Leonardo. 810. Describe which muscles disappear in growing fat, and which become visible in growing lean and observe that that part which on the surface of a fat person is most concave, when he grows lean becomes more prominent. Where the muscles separate one from another you must give profiles and where they coalesce. 811. Of the human figure, which is the part in man, which, as he grows fatter, never gains flesh, or what part which as a man grows lean never falls away with a too perceptible diminution, and among the parts which grow fat which is that which grows fattest, among those which grow lean which is that which grows leanest, in very strong men which are the muscles which are thickest and most prominent, in your anatomy you must represent all the stages of the limbs from man's creation to his death, and then till the death of the bone, and which part of him is first decayed and which is preserved the longest, and in the same way of extreme leanness and extreme fatness, the divisions of the head 812, 813, 812, anatomy. There are eleven elementary tissues, cartilage, bones, nerves, veins, arteries, fascia, ligament and sinews, skin, muscle and fat, of the head. The divisions of the head are ten, viz. five external and five internal. The external or the hair, skin, muscle, fascia and the skull, the internal or the dura mater, the pia mater, which enclose the brain. The pia mater and the dura mater come again underneath and enclose the brain then the reedy mirabilae, and the occipital bone, which supports the brain from which the nerves spring. 813. Hair, skin, muscle, fascia, skull i.e. bone, dura mater, pia mater, brain, pia mater, below, dura mater, reedy mirabile, the occipital bone, physiological problems 814, 815, 814, of the cause of breathing of the cause of the motion of the heart, of the cause of vomiting, of the cause of the descent of food from the stomach, of the cause of emptying the intestines, of the cause of the movement of the superfluous matter through the intestines, of the cause of swallowing, of the cause of coughing, of the cause of yawning, of the cause of sneezing, of the cause of limbs getting asleep, of the cause of losing sensibility in any limb, of the cause of tickling, of the cause of lust and other appetites of the body of the cause of urine and also of all the natural excretions of the body. Footnote, by the side of this text stands the pen and ink drawing reproduced on place CDII. Number 4, a skull with indications of the veins in the fleshy covering. 815, the tears come from the heart and not from the brain. To find all the parts, of which the body is composed, beginning with the skin with its outer cuticle which is often chapped by the influence of the Sunday eye. 
Zoology and Comparative Anatomy, The Divisions of the Animal Kingdom 816, 817, 816, Man, The Description of Man, which includes that of such creatures as are of almost the same species, as apes, monkeys and the like, which are many, the lion and its kindred, as panthers, footnote 3, Leon the wild cat, secondo alcuni, los tesochali one esa, e secondo altri con piu certeza, los tesochai pantera, fanfani, vocabulario page 858, wild cats, tigers, leopards, wolves, lynxes, Spanish cats, common cats and the like, the horse and its kindred, as mule, ass and the like, with incisor teeth above and below, the bull and its allies with horns and without upper incisors as the buffalo, stag fellow deer, wild goat, swine, goat, wild goats musters, chamois, giraffe, 817, describe the various forms of the intestines of the human species, of apes and such like, then, in what way the leonine species differ, and then the bovine, and finally birds, and arrange this description after the manner of a disquisition. Miscellaneous Notes on the Study of Zoology 818-821-818 Procure the placenta of a calf when it is born and observe the form of the cotyledons, if their cotyledons are male or female. 819 Describe the tongue of the woodpecker and the jaw of the crocodile. 820 Of the flight of the fourth kind of butterflies that consume winged ants. Of the three principal positions of the wings of birds in downward flight. Footnote, a passing allusion is all I can here permit myself to Leonardo's elaborate researches into the flight of birds. Compare the observations on this subject in the introduction to section XBII and in the bibliography of manuscripts at the end of the work. 821. Of the way in which the tail of a fish acts in propelling the fish, as in the eel, snake and leech. Comparative study of the structure of bones and of the action of muscles 8 to 2, 8 to 6. 822 of the palm of the hand, then I will discourse of the hands of each animal to show in what they vary, as in the bear, which has the ligatures of the sinews of the toes joined above the instep. 823. A second demonstration inserted between anatomy and the treatise on the living being. You will represent here for a comparison, the legs of a frog, which have a great resemblance to the legs of man, both in the bones and in the muscles. Then, in continuation, the hind legs of the hare which are very muscular, with strong active muscles, because they are not encumbered with fat. Footnote, this text is written by the side of a drawing in black chalk of a nude male figure, but there is no connection between the sketch and the text. 824. Here I make a note to demonstrate the difference there is between man and the horse and in the same way with other animals. And first I will begin with the bones, and then will go on to all the muscles which spring from the bones without tendons and end in them in the same way, and then go on to those which start with a single tendon at one end. 825. Note on the bendings of joints and in what way the flesh grows upon them in their flexions or extensions, and of this most important study write a separate treatise, in the description of the movements of animals with four feet, among which is man, who likewise in his infancy crawls on all fours. 826 of the way of walking in man. The walking of man is always after the universal manner of walking in animals with four legs, inasmuch as just as they move their feet crosswise after the manner of a horse in trotting, so man moves his four limbs crosswise, that island if he puts forward his right foot in walking he puts forward, with it, his left arm and vice versa, invariably, 
III. Physiology. Comparative study of the organs of sense in men and animals. 827. I have found that in the composition of the human body as, 